Hi friends, this is Ryan Cagle with the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to take some time out of your day to give us a listen, and I sincerely hope and pray that you will hear something among these ramblings of mine that will be of a great encouragement to you and the Lord, and will encourage your faith and help you along, and hopefully expose you maybe to some ideas that you're not typically used to hearing in your typical Sunday morning service. Um... This is actually the relaunch of the podcast. We had some family issues happen and some technical issues happen and um, just decided it was going to be best to start from scratch. So for those of you that have listened to us before, I'm sorry. This is just, I'm I'm hoping the second go around will be a much better product and much more beneficial to you. Um, for newcomers, hey, we're glad you're here, and uh, like I said, we hope you get something out of this. But the whole idea that this podcast started, the whole concept behind it was when I began to start to to look in and read into some of the teachings of the people in church history and in church tradition that I had never been exposed to. Um, I, lo- I love the church tradition I've grown up in. I've grown... Um, or I, I was, I gave my life to the Lord. I had an encounter with Christ in a primitive, one-room primitive Baptist church in the backwoods of Alabama. Um, and then a few year, years later, I jumped on board with a, our family moved uh, churches to a church um, in the same county that we were in, but it was almost like a, a church plant or a church revitalization project of a church uh, an assembly of God church, in it, which assembly gods are a traditionally Pentecostal church, and they are nothing like primitive Baptist churches. So um, I'll just let you look those two up if you want to just kind of compare the difference. So it was a culture shock, um, fantastic, best years of my life. Started teaching Sunday school, then eventually took over as interim youth pastor, and then eventually came youth pastor and um, served there for six years. And it was just the tradi- the Pentecostal church. I love it. Um, most days though, I'm, I would say I'm reluctantly Pentecostal, um, and just probably, probably the biggest reason I say that is just because of the lack of exposure to things beyond the Pentecostal tradition. And like I said, this is where that whole concept of this podcast started was me beginning to look into things beyond what I've been taught my whole life, um, primarily with the, the early, the church fathers and the desert fathers and, um, this podcast isn't going to be just focusing on people from that far back, but there will be a heavy influence because my life in the last year has been so drastically impacted by the works of the early church fathers like St. Maximus the Confessor and St. Athenaeus and St. Saint, Saint Ignatius and um, even St. Isaac the Syrian. Um, they've influenced me so much. And so that was kind of the whole idea behind the podcast was that I wanted to provide a medium of of being able to expose hopefully other people to some of these things that they're not typically going to be exposed to along with sharing my life and my journey into these teachings and the things I've found and, and uh, the beauty that I've discovered in thing in, in some of these ideas and concepts and, and um, outlooks of the early church fathers and people that have gone on before us. So um, lessons from dead guys. So you're not going to hear any <laughs> any uh, podcast is going to be focused on someone that's alive because we have so many saints in the faith that have gone before us and they've and they've they've carved out this path, this ancient path for us, and it, it's wild. And um, like I said, it's been it's been a roller coaster of a year in some of these teachings, and I love it. So 
this podcast, the Lessons from Dead Guys podcast, is an adventure. If anything, it is it is absolutely that is the only way I can describe it is because this has been a total adventure for me, and I just want to share it with you. I want to take you with me as I've went through, uh, as I've started traveling down these paths um, of the saints and the sinners and the heretics and the mystics of church history. Um, so let's get let's get it started. I guess where where it all began for me really was with one question: Why tradition? Why why? Tradition. I, I've thought about some of these churches. I thought about you know your mainline churches, your your liturgical churches, your the Catholic, the Orthodox, um, and and even your more you know more modern Episcopalians, Anglicans, and and so forth and so on. And I was just perplexed because there was almost a pretentious thing built up in me from not necessarily because the Pentecostal tradition, not necessarily just because I was primarily I'd only ever been exposed to Western uh, evangelical evangelical theology but it was just i was thinking man that's so old that's done that's they've missed it they've and we're finally almost it's really it i don't know if i would have ever verbalized it this way but there was this concept you know what this is what the church is now those things were then and those things were worked for then but they're corrupt they need to be done away with and i mean how ridiculous is that i just can't even believe i had those thoughts in my head but um so the question that just got it all started for me was why tradition? Why? why? Some of these things, the the ritual side of the the liturgical churches and things that none of that made any sense to me. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm I'm still learning. But um, I was just like, you know, why do we need to concern ourselves with these things? These these older ideas, these out of date, uncontemporary, dead things. Um, so that's where it started, and. I started wrestling with these questions, and I I wrestled with them, and I wrestled with them, and I would put it off, and I would just I would come up with the, all these ideas of why there was no reason to even waste my time with it, and um, you know it it's crazy it's just it's just crazy, but um, I was arrogant, and I you know I I had when if somebody would have ever just began to talk to me about uh, the Catholic Church this Catholic Church that I'd be like you know you know well. There's, there, I'm sure going, there's going to be Catholics go to heaven. There's going to be Pentecostals that go to heaven. There's going to be whatever. And it was just arrogant. It was a way for me to reduce and reject a very important part of church history and theology, for that matter. But, um, you know, I like just to show you how dumb I was, I was just... If you would have brought up the Catholic Church, I was like, yeah, you know, they're, they're all right guys, but, you know, praying to Mary, that junks. That's ridiculous. Um... I, I literally thought, you know, these people have no idea what they're doing, and how how ridiculous is that? And I I'm not blaming it on my church tradition because I'm was young and I was dumb, and honestly, I am still young and dumb. So we're all learning, we're all growing. As as long as we keep moving, that that's that's the whole thing. We have to keep moving and growing and expanding. And we'll see we'll see Christ more clearly, more clearly than we did yesterday. As long as we keep our eyes open and we keep going forward, so you know, I I would have just ranted a long time back then. I would have just ranted about it. I, I can I can think so many times I ranted about how um, ignorant you know the idea um, that the, that those things had any contributions. Um, and honestly, there was this concept that 
we, or me, I guess, in, in my ridiculously small world view, thought, you know what, this is what real Christianity looks like. This is, we've, we've reclaimed what Christianity looks like. So we finally look like the early church. And if you've ever been in any charismatic or Pentecostal traditions, the early church is the authority versus Jesus being the authority um, a lot of times because it's, oh, we got to be like the early church. we got to do things like the early church. And, well, there's all kinds of theological implications and um, just all kinds of implications that comes with that mindset. But literally thought, you know, this is what the church looks like. This is this is what, the, what Jesus is really up to. And, um, man, just blind and dumb and ridiculously ignorant. So I'm thankful for the grace of God, and I'm thankful, for, like I said, for this journey that I've been on um, with learning about things that are beyond the traditions that I was handed. Um, you know, these these last few years have been just this process, though, of Holy Spirit reviving an open-mindedness that I had prior to, honestly, being so involved in the church. Um, I used to be very open-minded, and I allowed... Um, myself just to begin to close off and, and create absolutes and um, do things that, you know, just just fundamentalism, I guess. I guess that's the best way to describe it. I allowed it to um, become the major influencer in my life versus just Jesus and love and, and, the, and the gospel. So, you know, I've, I don't have it all together by no means. I'm a mess. Um, but the Pentecostal church definitely doesn't have it all together. The Catholic church doesn't have it all together. Um, the Lutheran church doesn't have it all together. The Baptist church doesn't have it all together. And that is what makes this whole thing beautiful. And I'm so glad I can see that now. Um, none of the church, past or present, have ever been 100% right on every single little thing. Um, and not a single generation has successfully married proper action with proper doctrine in all aspects of our life and it's okay there's nothing wrong with that i used to obsess with trying to figure out the perfect formula to be the church and be the christian i was supposed to be and you got to come to a place you ha we have to come to a place when we realize there's no formulas there's 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 the holy spirit and he's not a formula and if we will allow him if we will allow him to lead us and and mold us and shape us and He'll do what he needs to do in and through us. So, um, tradition, when it, that, why is tradition is, is important? I guess now I would say that it's because it refuses close-mindedness and the false idea that we have it all together. Um, so that, that was me. When, when I finally come to the place where I understood, like, you know what, this history, these teachings, they're important. Even if they may not be true or may not even be the best depiction or the best theology they are important because they show us that we the church is a growing living moving organism and we must keep going forward um i love the words of gk chesterson on the importance of tradition he says tradition means giving a vote to the most obscure of all classes our ancestors it is the democracy of the dead Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. Um, and that, that can be found in his book, Orthodoxy, which has been a wealth of information um, for me on this journey as well. Um, 
So, but I am by no means an expert in tradition. I, uh, I'm by no means an expert in any of the church fathers or any of the people that have come even before them. I mean, I've read a lot and I've studied a lot and I've looked into a lot, but I'm, I'm still on this journey. And the whole point of this is just for you to come with me and, uh, hopefully be encouraged. But, um, I'm just on this journey still of discovering the ancient paths that have been walked by influential men and women as they follow Christ. I fully believe a great deal of the Western church needs a heavy dose of tradition, and I know that I'm that I'm excluding you know the more mainline liturgical churches, and I've not had an exposure to them. Um, so when I say the American church, I'm really just referring to the the very strict evangelical. Protestant, um, just abandonment of all things old churches. Um, so the the church mostly exists on ideas, and the church that I grew up in, rather, um, mostly exists on ideas and doctrines that are mere centuries old. Um, not to not to throw anyone under the bus, but cough dispensationalism, cough. <laughs> we'll leave that. We'll leave that one where it is. Um, I'll have a bone to pick. Uh, I'll have a bone to pick with dispensationalism later. But for now, you know. So the the church, the doctrines, the the teachings, the things that I have been taught my whole life are are not very old. And I know old doesn't necessarily mean better. I know that old doesn't necessarily mean right. But I was never exposed to so many ideas and so many concepts that were more true to the early church than some of the things that I've been taught in the last that are that are literally mere just dec even decades old teachings that have never been ever been in question in the church before. Um, so it it really turned my world upside down when I began to investigate some of these old, older traditions and when I began to investigate um, some of these older ideas and old, older theologies. It, it literally has flipped my world <laughs> on its head um, when I realized how small my Pentecostal worldview really was, how closed off I really become because... I never, never, you, you don't realize that you're closed-minded. When when people are closed-minded, they don't realize it. Um, and so when I, I remember the first time I read anything by St. Isaac the Syrian, it floored me because I was like, these are things that I've wanted to believe, but I didn't know I could. That I was taught that weren't true, that could not be true, that were almost borderline heretical. Um, and it was so freeing. And that, that's been probably the best part of this so far. Um, like I said, most of my theology it was literally just a drop in an ocean of ideas and concepts out of out of the whole span of history of the church. Um, I don't think the majority of the church has really stepped outside of their particular context to gaze at these beautiful truths. And I hope in some small way that this podcast will help in changing that. Um, I mean, I, I meet people all the time, and we're talking, and I say something, and they're like, well, I've never even heard of that before, and I'm like, well, me neither, but I just found out, you know, I just read this, I, can you believe that, you know, this guy that lived in the second century was, was preaching this, and the church accepted it as truth, but man, I, I know churches that would have run us out for this, they would, re here in our hometown, that would just reject the concept completely, um, but 
I agree. Um, back to Chesterson, I agree so much with what what he spoke um, and how he spoke of the native tradition. It acknowledges the re- relevance of those great saints before us and continues to give them a voice in directing and molding the church. Um, and why shouldn't it? They they have literally they paid such a great price, especially some of the early the early church and um, facing martyrdom, and they 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 labored for this these ideas and these concepts and. Um, they're still relevant for us today. They they really are, at least now, especially more for me than ever. Um, so we need to allow these things to mold us and teach us and and help us grow. And we even, even like I said, even with the people that are not, um, some of their theologies may have been off or maybe not been as clear as they needed to be, or maybe even they were deemed heretical to some extent. They they still have a role to play. They still have benefits that they. These, their ideas still benefit us, and we can't shut them out. And we have to learn, and we have to grow from them. Um, because this whole idea, this, this tradition, listening to these people that have gone before us and, and dropping the arrogance that we have it right, it frees us from the false idea that we need to reinvent the wheel with every generation. It frees us from the stress and confusion of trying to figure this whole thing out all over again. Because um, not... Not that you shouldn't pray a prayer, you know, with asking God specifically in your context. You know, what what are you doing here? Because obviously, we all live in a just a plethora of different contexts, of situations, communities, environments, socioeconomic backgrounds, everything. It, it's diverse. So, of course, pray God. What is your will here? What does heaven on earth look like here? But we don't have to reinvent everything. We don't have to constantly have these schisms because. The, the city that our church was in, um, just just in that city, there there were just there were tons of churches. I think there was almost I think around fifteen or sixteen churches, but and this this is a small city. Okay, there it's not even shouldn't even be called a city, a town with less than four thousand people in it. And so there's all these churches and different denominations. But the thing that really got me is that you know there's all these schisms with different denominations and backgrounds, and people didn't want to do certain things with other some churches didn't want to do things with another church and things like that because of the the sign on the billboard or on the uh the words on the sign but crazy how crazy is this in that city there there were five five or six different churches of the exact same denomination which was insane to me. I I never was able to get it. And it just shows how we let certain little things get in the way and we start doing our own thing. And we have to reinvent. Well, this is who we are and that's who they are. And, you know, it's not an us versus them thing. And that's probably been one of the other biggest things that this whole this whole journey has taught me is that there is no us and them. It's us. We're all in this together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the dirty, the messy, um, the saints, the sinners, the heretics, the mystics. We're all in this together. And um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I have that mindset now. I'm thankful that I still have a long way to go in growing into that and what it means in practicality and in an everyday life. Um but you know that's that's one thing that, that these traditions and things we don't we don't have to nec- we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It, there's people that have labored before us, long, <laughs> long and hard days of life, providing us with with structure and, and theology and tradition for us to learn from and grow from. So we don't have to start from from ground zero every single time. Um, so that 
I think that that's part of what Chesterton is maybe saying, and I could be reading into him, but that's 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 how his his words um, really affected me anyway. Um, you know, we like I said, we must evolve culturally and in in methodology, but our deep roots and the beautiful history of the church um, will help us if we will just realize how deep our roots really go. Um, will will benefit so so much more i believe and um I, I mean maybe that's crazy maybe that's whatever but for me so far some of the things i've read um especially in the in the early fathers i'm thinking man if i would have had this 10 years ago if someone would have taught me that this was this was okay to believe a decade ago um i don't know where i would be i don't know the things we probably would have done differently in church and things like that um, and of course, it's all speculation, but tradi- like I said, it's just, it's good. We we have to learn. We have to learn from each other because every single one of us, either that are walking about now or, have lay- or in the grave, are a part of the body. And they have a say-so. They have a voice. They have ideas and concepts and things that we need to draw from. Um, and I just think tradition enables us to be true to who we are as believers and enjoy the work of the kingdom here and now in an ever-changing and evolving world. I think that it allows us to be who we are, fully who we are, but fully connected to the people and the world around us in the past um, and in the present. So I think uh, one of the, one of the other things I, I I'm sorry I'm kind of stuttering I got I just have a few uh, I guess the bullet points I wanted to make sure I hit with this episode um, is that tradition steadies us on issues that have been settled for ages um, we don't need more councils to decide what is considered truth on the Trinity all, all because it's been done the framework has been there um, and the church puts greater emphasis on things that we need to look into things that maybe uh, the emphasis isn't really there in whatever context we're in. Um, an example for me, the incarnation is was obviously important. I don't know any church that doesn't teach that the incarnation of the Word of God in flesh is unimportant. I don't know anyone who would do that or say that, but for our church and for my my time in the church, the incarnation has been just kind of like a more like a bulletin point on a list of must-believes. It's um, very little emphasis, very little time is spent talking about what the Incarnation means, but it, it's crazy to me because the more I read the Church Fathers, the more I realize that it seems like that's the place they start, that they start with the Incarnation. Everywhere they go th- in theology, everywhere they go in Scripture, they either they start with the Incarnation and they go back. Um, so there's an emphasis there that seems to be heavily lost in the Western church, at least in my experience. Um, you know, so going back and reading these things and going back and exposing ourselves to greater truth and exposing ourselves to other ideas and concepts, it, it enables us to be unified in the essentials and enjoy liberty in the non-essentials. It, it, it allows us to be one, essentially. I just... Because there were so many things that I wanted to believe, so many things that, you know, in my, my heart of hearts that I I truly believed about God. But because of the tradi- what I was been taught and the framework that I was living in as far as church culture told me I couldn't believe those things. But the moment that I began to look into some of these earlier writings and earlier teachings and, 
and things of the people that have gone before us, I found out, man, these people believe this too. <laughs> the thing that I, I was told I can't believe, these people believed it. And it's okay. I, I'm free to believe it. I, and it gave me a freedom that I hadn't had before. And that's why I'm doing this, because I hope that maybe you'll find some freedom in all of it too. Um, so, um, you know, if you want to subscribe, if you want to leave a review, you can. Um, I doubt you'll want to leave a review uh, on this episode since it's kind of just more of a, a framework episode, but I just hope that you'll come on this journey with me. Um, let's abandon our terribly narrow view of the great go- of our great God and the world that we live in and plunge ourselves into the beautiful ocean of grace that has permeated church history. That's what I'm trying my best to do um, is to be open to the Spirit's leading. Um, and it's something that I, I just, I kept the spirit from moving the way that she would have moved in my life, I think, much sooner. Because I had what I believed to be a formula and a perfect understanding. And I'd reduced God down to these little facts and doctrines and bullet points. And man, was I wrong. And how thankful I am that I was wrong. Um... So I hope that you want to come on this journey with me because it is an ab- it has been an absolute adventure so far, and I don't think it's going to let up anytime soon. Um, so again, um, thank you so much uh, for just listening to the podcast. Um, the goal is every two weeks, that's two episodes a month. I know that's not a lot. Um, I, I just work a lot, and really, honestly, the biggest thing is hosting fees cost more money than I really want to spend or can spend. Or I, I say want to spend. I would love to be able to push out one of these every single week, but as of right now, cannot do so. So we're looking at every two weeks, and I hope um, that's not too um, frustrating or whatever. Maybe you. You might need a two-week break after hearing one episode before uh, you can handle hearing me again. I don't know. Um, so you can you can catch up with me on Twitter. Um, the the official lessons from dead guys handle is LFD guys. Really simple. I try to post on there a couple times a week. I'd love to connect. If you um, you have ideas, you have concepts. If you have you know comments on episodes, you can you can do them on iTunes or we can do them on Twitter because I would just love to be able to interact with you. Um, and again, I appreciate your time ahead of time. So, uh, like I said, you can just connect with me there and every two weeks, um, hopefully we, which I hope the next one won't be two weeks out simply because this wasn't really much of a podcast as much as it is just a, a framework and giving you an idea of what we're about. Um, so I'm hoping by the end of this next week, you will have a podcast sitting ready for your listening pleasure on St. Athenaeus and the Incarnation. Um, Joker, brilliant, brilliant guy. I can't wait uh, just to be able to sit down and just share my thoughts and uh, on his thoughts and, and how it has just impacted my life already. So um, be looking for that this week. I'm going to stick to that promise. And until next time, may the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Um, again, just thank you so much. Looking forward to connecting with you. I would love to hear your stories about how your life has been greatly affected by the teachings of someone outside of your church context. So, um, you can send those in to me. I would love to be able to share some of those on the podcast. Um, 
or just if you just want to talk on Twitter about it, we can. Um, but if you'd like to just submit some things, a story about how your life has been changed by uh, someone that you would have never in a million years heard in your home church, please feel free to email them to me at lfdguys, the same thing like the Twitter handle, but lfdguys at gmail.com. Um, and again, grace and peace to you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Looking forward to uh, hearing from you. And uh, hope that uh, you found something worth listening to.